America. It's been a while. This Russian embassy speaking presenting you another issue of its weekly newsletter podcast. Edition 153. President. Remembering is knowing open lesson. Vladimir Putin. We must all realize and feel what is happening today. It may seem sometimes that it is no longer important because it happened so long ago, 75 years ago. That it has nothing to do with our life today and is not something interesting anymore. I assure you that this is absolutely not true. Why? Because after World War II, the world order and the rules that we live by today were created. And there are some who believe that after the end of the Cold War, they turned out to be winners who believe that they are exceptional and the world order that was built after World War II needs to be changed. Creating conditions for such changes implied tweaking and rewriting actual historical events. Seventy-fifth anniversary of end of World War II and victory in Chinese People's War of resistance against Japanese aggression. Vladimir Putin sent a message of greetings to President of China Xi Jinping on the 75th anniversary of the end of World War II and victory in the Chinese People's War of Resistance against Japanese aggression. The message reads in part, World War II, which was the largest tragedy in human history, claimed tens of millions of lives. The Soviet Union and China bore the brunt of the struggle against Nazism and militarism and sustained the biggest losses in the fight to defeat the aggressors. The President of Russia also noted that the ties of friendship and mutual assistance, which grew stronger between the two nations during the war, are now promoting the dynamic development of the Russian-Chinese relations of comprehensive partnership and strategic interaction. Vladimir Putin pointed out that it is the common duty of the two countries to preserve the truth about that period, resolutely resisting any falsification of history and glorification of the Nazis, militarists and their accomplices. The heroism of the liberators must never be forgotten, and any revision of the outcome of World War II must not be allowed. The President of Russia expressed readiness to continue to work together with the friendly Chinese nation to prevent wars and conflicts around the world and to ensure global stability and security. <laughs> Moscow's 873rd anniversary. Vladimir Putin. The centuries-long history of our country and Russian statehood is inextricably linked with the city of Moscow. We, Russian citizens, feel this unity strongly and value and love our dear capital. Moscow is a major global metropolis that stands with its magnificent yet warm beauty. It is an attractive modern and dynamic city that bodes the energy of new ideas as well as engaging breakthrough solutions which translate into specific actions and achievements, and I would like to emphasize this, transform Moscow with every single year. Now, following the challenges of the epidemic, Moscow is confidently gaining its dynamic pace of life and development, which is so typical of the city but uncommon for many other regions. All local businesses have resumed operation. I would like to know that construction of Moscow Metro did not stop for a single day. Work is underway to build residential blocks and roads. The housing relocation program, which I know some people were skeptical about, has been advancing. I am confident that with the efforts underway, most people involved in this program will be happy with its results, with residents moving into newly built modern flats. (laughs) 
history, then 130th anniversary of the Treaty of Portsmouth. The Treaty of Portsmouth, which formally ended the 1904-05 Russian-Japanese War, was signed on September 5, 1905, after talks hosted by the United States. President Theodore Roosevelt invited both countries to a peace conference at the neutral site of Portsmouth, New Hampshire. It was the first international treaty to be signed in the United States. The Russian delegation was led by former finance minister Sergei Vitte, who was assisted by the former ambassador to Japan, Raman Razen, and the international law and arbitration specialist Friedrich Martens. Vitte was convinced that the Japanese could not afford to restart the war and so applied pressure via American media and his American host to convince the Japanese that monetary compensation was not open for com compromise by Russia. Outmaneuvered by Vitte, Kamura yielded and, in exchange for the southern half of Sakhalin, the Japanese dropped their claims for reparations. The treaty also exemplifies the ability of local citizens to mediate informal international disputes. In August 1905, the people of Portsmouth fostered goodwill between Russian and Japanese delegates during the critical peace negotiations. The loss in the war against Japan was a bitter heritage for the Soviet Union of its predecessor, the Russian Empire. The country had to deal with a prominent Japanese threat on its borders. The problem was only solved in 1945, when the Red Army crushed the Kwantung Army in Manjuria. The Treaty of Portsmouth was terminated on September 2, 1945, almost 14 years uh, after it was signed, uh, when the capitulation of the Japanese Empire was announced. <laughs> Foreign Ministry. Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov's remarks and answers to media questions from GIMO students and academic staff on the occasion of the beginning of the new academic year. Sergei Lavrov. We criticized the action of our Western partners and a number of other countries on the problems that we would like to resolve in accordance with international law and the search for a balance of interest rather than unilateral pressure. Nevertheless, we do not limit ourselves to criticism. We suggest a positive agenda. As I have said, uh, this consists of a return to the foundations of the United Nations, to respect the principles of the UN Charter, remember that it was born 75 years ago in the aftermath of the World War II, owing to victory in the Great Patriotic War and the victories that was achieved by the force of the countries with different socio-political and ideological systems. The Allies in the war pulled their efforts for the sake of victory over a common enemy. They rose about the differences and divided them in the years before World War II. This has been expressed many times. I think that today the world situation is not as bloody as it was in, uh, back then. But there are many more risks and they are no less serious. I mentioned terrorism and drug crime that kills an enormous number of people every day. Let's not forget about the risk of uh, WMD proliferation. Now the United States has practically destroyed the entire system of deterrence in arms control. It is adopting doctri doctrines that actually lower the nuclear threshold. On top of all that, terrorists and other groups crave access to nuclear technology and methods of creating and using of other uh, mass destruction weapons, chemical and biological ones, I believe it would be a crime for all of us to isolate ourselves in our national apartments, slam our doors, and refuse to deal with a country until it complies with our ultimatums. But we are seeing all of that. 
look what problems now exist in relations not only between Russia and the US, but also between the US and China. Our position is one of searching for compromise and balance of interest. The organizations in which Russia takes part, the CIS, the CSTO, the EAU, uh, BRICS and the SCO are designed to find compromise. Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov's remarks and answers to media questions at a news conference following an online meeting of the BRICS Foreign Minister's Council. Question. Yesterday it became known that the Democrats in the United States demanded immediate imposition of sanctions on Russia in connection with the upcoming U.S. presidential election in November. They are referring to intelligence that says that Russia can allegedly intervene. What can you tell about this? Sergei Lavrov. We have been hearing accusations that Russia is interfering in the U.S. presidential elections for many years now. It has now become a kind of a game of who is interfering more, Russia, China or Iran. A U.S. national intelligence official recently said that China is interfering more than Russia or Iran. So, grown up people have been playing these games for a long time now. And this does not surprise us. Sometimes, though, we can't help but be surprised. I'm referring to recent accusations against Russia to the effect that we are trying to abuse or use the interest of the particular candidate, the planned voting by mail in the United States. I was surprised by this accusation because until then I thought that voting by mail was part of the differences between President Trump, who outright refuses to allow this type of vote to be held, and the Democrats who want to use voting by mail as much as possible. Truth be told, we are used to these attacks. In this case, and in the case of poisonings and other situations in different countries, we will respond to specific fa facts if they are presented to us. We keep telling our partners, Americans and Europeans alike, if you have any concern about anything, especially cybersecurity, which has become a particularly common subject for accusations and reproaches against us, let's sit down and review our facts. We are ready to do so. Unfortunately, our partners in the United States and the EU shun direct conversations based on the professional analysis of available facts. Study in Russia. Entry to Russia for foreign students and COVID-19 prevention measures. Nowadays, students are not allowed to enter Russia to continue their studies, but we hope that this restriction will be lifted in the near future. A list of measures aimed at reducing the spread of the COVID-19 virus has not been prepared yet. Please read the information carefully and be prepared to comply with the relevant requirements. By the decision of the state bodies of the Russian Federation from August 1st, until a separate order, additional rules and measures aimed at preventing the spread of COVID-19 are being introduced for all foreign citizens arriving in Russia from abroad. Defense Ministry the world's first registered Russian vaccine against the new coronavirus infection was presented to the defense ministers of the CIS, CSTO and CSO countries. Specialists of the Russian Ministry of Defense presented the world's first registered Russian vaccine against the new coronavirus infection of COVID-19 to the heads of military departments of the countries of the Shanghai Corporation Organization, the Commonwealth of Independent States and the countries of the Collective Security Treaty Organization as well as the Republic of Serbia, who arrived on September 4th at the Patriot Park near Moscow to participate in a joint meeting. 
Russian military medics presented to foreign guests detailed information about the complex of joint activities implemented by research institutions of the Russian Ministry of Defense and the National Research Center for the Epidemiology and Microbiology, named after honorary academician Gamalia N.F. As part of the development and testing of a vaccine, as well as the procedure for conducting vaccinations. The presentation of the COVID-19 vaccine caused an effective discussion of the heads of for, uh, foreign military departments, many of whom expressed interest in obtaining it. Answering questions from his colleagues from foreign countries, Russian Defense Minister General of the Army Sergei Shaigu said that he had recently been vaccinated with a domestic vaccine against the new coronavirus infection. Sergei Shaigu also added that as the domestic vaccine arrives at the armed forces of the Russian Federation, first of all, it will be possible to vaccinate on a voluntary basis those categories of servicemen who directly and actively interact with the personnel, military medics and commanders of all levels. In the future, other categories of the servicemen of the Russian armed forces will be able to receive vaccinations against the new coronavirus infection on a voluntary basis, the Minister of Defense emphasized. Embassy Russian embassy proposes constructive dialogue on arms control to Pentagon. The Russian embassy in the United States proposes a constructive face-to-face -face dialogue on the strategic stability and arms control to the Pentagon, Russian ambassador to the U.S. Anatoly Antonov told Sputnik. Several days ago, U.S. Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense for Nuclear and Missile Defense Policy Robert Sufer said that Russia was initiating an arms race in the sphere of non-strategic weapons. Antonov believed that these accusations are aimed at lowering the barrier of using nuclear weapons by the United States. We would be ready to accept Mr. Sufers to have a discussion in the embassy or meet him at any other U.S. platform comfortable for him. That would be a good demonstration of our responsible approach to maintaining the strategic stability and arms control, Antonov said. He stressed that the deployment of low-yield nuclear warheads by the United States, not Russian moves, were destabilizing the global system of nuclear deterrence. He cited that the deployment of W. 76-2 low-yield nuclear warheads of Trident II submarines as an example. Ambassador said that the Pentagon should read the Russian document of nuclear deterrence published on June 2nd. The document reaffirms that exclusively defensive nature of our nuclear policy as well as contains clear conditions for the possible shift to using nuclear weapons, Ambassador said. According to Anatoly Antonov, the constructing dialogue between Russia and the United States was launched in June-August with meetings between Russian Deputy Foreign Minister Sergei Rybkov and U.S. Special Envoy for Arms Control Marshal Billingsley. <laughs> Honor World War II with the better shared future, article by Russia's Ambassador Anatoly Antonov and China's Ambassador Tsui Tiankai, especially for Defense One. We believe that the best way to commemorate the 75th anniversary of the peace is to join hands. On September 3rd, Russia commemorates the end of the World War II and the Chinese people celebrate the great victory with uh, what is known as the War of Resistance Against Japanese Aggression. On that day, in 1945, the sun of peace once again shone on the earth. On this year's 75th anniversary of the Allies' victory in the World War II, we are remembering the historic contribution of the earlier generations of our two countries, and we want to congratulate the United States, our ally at the time, and thank its greatest generation for their sacrifice. That's all for today. Thank you for tuning in, and see you later next week.